Hey everyone, it's the Hot Brown Morning Potion Podcast with your hosts Tamika and Haley, and we're here with Aaron and Justin to discuss some stuff about Through the Moon, the original graphic novel that just came out on October 4th. I What is time anymore? Um, hi guys. Hello. Happy to be here. Good to see you both, or hear you mm-hmm. both. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're going to get stuck into it because we got... Um, only so much time. So the first thing we want to ask um, is actually about the moon nexus itself. Um, what is real and what is a reflection of someone's psyche in the moon nexus? Because I noticed that like in the actual um, in the actual moon nexus in the comic, you know, oh, and spoiler alert, spoiler alert for everybody listening to it. This is we're going to talk about the whole book. Um, unlike our review where we only talked about certain parts and not the ending, we're going to talk about the whole book here. So if you haven't watched, listen, if you haven't read it, go and get it and read it, read it, then come back. But uh, yeah, we noticed how like we had the reactions from the Elf Squad and we also had like some, so what is real and what is like in the person's head? Sorry, what is in in their head and what's real? Yeah, like in the Moon Nexus, like what they're seeing, how much of it is a reflection of like them, like, a, like of themselves of what's going on in their head and what's a reflection of what's actually like real because with moon magic it's so much about illusions and life and death right. so like what's kind of what's kind of like the um i would say i guess the rules of the moon nexus if there are any i mean i thought of it as mostly real like weird a weird place where the rules of the world aren't the same mm-hmm. um maybe your perceptions are altered it's possibly when you're there and that you're um, some of your inner emotional fears and anxieties and whatever kind of get turned inside out and become uh, outer instead of inner. So that's a good observation. Um, but I think overall we think of it as a real place with real threats. I think it was too the idea of like, for instance, the way the elf God reacted, like is that how they would actually feel if they were talking to her? Or is that like how she feels based off her guilt? Uh, which I guess is more where the question was coming from, if that makes sense. It's kind of a weird question. Right. But. Can you so describe the moment you're, you're referencing specifically? Um, the book's on my right. shelf, but it's basically- The assassins, right? Yeah, the assassins. Yeah, El Swad I call them the assassins. I call them the assassins. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the assassins. <laughs> the, the assassins um, where they kind of are, hap- like they, when they notice that she doesn't have her thing, they're relieved because the mission was complete. So they didn't like die in vain. So- their reaction is like, you know, oh, everything's fine. Is that like in her head because she feels guilty about that they died? Or is that how they, if they were there talking to her, like physically in the physical world, would would that be how they react? Uh, I mean, I, I think there's their spirits are caught between life and death. And I think that that, that uh, experience with Rayla changed things and affected their outcome and their ability to not be stuck. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I think also because they were corrupted by dark magic after they died, some of that too. Yeah, I always wondered about that actually, if that would affect their their spirits and how that would work. Okay. Oh, that's interesting because that kind of maybe goes into my question, which if you can't answer any of these, that's totally fine because throughout the AMAs uh, that you did recently, there was a lot you couldn't talk about because it's going to get explored in the future or answered then. Um, So how, I was wondering, something that Rayla said was, how can you be caught between life and death yet still be alive? 
Who are you? Are you referencing someone specific? Uh, Rayla said this about Viren. Well, like she knew he was alive, yeah. but I was just wondering, like, like how, what that meant exactly. I mean, I think that means he's neither alive nor dead. He's <laughs> caught between life and death. I don't know. It starts to get philosophical, right? So, yeah. I mean, um, he has not permanently passed from the world, but he's in the middle of the transition or whatever is happening, right? Like, um, I think there was a, there was an add-on to that you had, Haley. Yeah, was, I was just, I was wondering, is this, like, is he stuck there right then? Because I'm trying to figure out when this takes place. Um, uh, I mean, we kind of yeah. know. We yeah, know where right. this takes place. But um, is yeah. this a consequence of what Claudia did to Viren, that he's, you know, stuck there, like, in the cocoon there, in some form? It's not, you're not necessarily, you may not be asking the right questions because you don't have all the information. Mm. That's not vague at all, but you know. <laughs> at the time Rayla experiences what she experiences, he is stuck. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So our next question is so sad. Um, so is Callum going to remember this birthday in particular? He's really emotionally intelligent. Can you tell us if that will help him in this emotional situation? Is the birthday fact canon? Yes. The birthday fact is canon. It's a pretty bad birthday. <laughs> we're sorry. We feel so bad. Like yeah, we're sad too, and we know yeah. people are really sad about that. But oh, you have no idea. Uh, so, fun fact: if he's listening, my friend Porsche, who actually is our money mod, our money manager for the zine, uh, let's just say he was so sad he went out and bought a car. Wow. Wow. Wait, what's his name? What's his Porsche? What's his... We, we call him Porsche. That's his. You know, he didn't go buy a Porsche, did he? No, it was like it was. I don't think it was a brand new car, but he went and bought a car. And so when we got the zine, he, when I got the zine, he was like, "I'm gonna go buy a celebration car." The guy uh, makes he got a good job, so he's fine. But like, he, he he's like he was like, "Tell them he made a they made a grown man go buy a car." <laughs> so that's well, how that's how sad he was. You were supporting the economy somehow. It's <laughs> really sad experience that Callum has to go through but I felt so stabbed I felt oh. stabbed I mean I understand though it's really in character um it's very in character for real I think and the whole book was basically just about them protecting parkouring over each other basically um yeah I like very, that characterization yeah that's pretty much the whole book they both can't lose each other and so we totally understand it it just makes it sad so he's gonna remember this is I guess the question was is his emotional intelligence going to help him kind of through this or how might he feel after this? How much can you tell us about that? I mean, yeah, I think he's going to be super sad, right? Like he's, he's, it doesn't matter how emotionally intelligent you are when terrible shit happens to you. Right. So I think he'll, you know, I think he's going to have a, a tough time. He's going to have to, you know, do some soul searching and really think about it. And on the same time, in the same sense, I think he can also see a little bit that like, yeah, she, there's something she had to do, right? There's, it's not like she just straight up left him, but. <laughs> We're seeing Spencer, Aaron's cat right now. And he, yeah. is his name Spencer? He's a cutie. Yeah. This is Spencer. Oh, he wants your attention. Um, yeah. Well, I guess add on question. Will Callum, like, I don't know if you can answer this. Will Callum forgive her or is he mad at her? Will there be some kind? Well, I don't know if you can answer that though. You have to, you have to watch season four. God damn it. <laughs> damn it. 
I mean, he's going to have to find a way to cope, right? Yeah. He's not, he is, you're right. He does have high emotional intelligence and he's a resilient person, but that doesn't always, you know, he'll probably cope in some way that's a mixture of healthy and, but also somewhat, you know, people sometimes adapt in ways that are not healthy to, to get over things. So I don't know. Interesting. Uh (laughs) I'll take that answer. I'm excited. Um, so yeah, I was really happy to see that Soren was part of this novel and, you know, he seemed like he's like part of the main gang now, which I was really happy to see. Uh, can we get any hints at to what kind of role he may play in future seasons? Uh, I mean, he'll be there. Yay. <laughs> he's still an integral part of the series. Um, I think he's much more, per- you know, he's really a crown guard. He's really in Edward's camp now, right? He's, he's firmly planted with the drag egg and um, what they believe in and all that stuff. It doesn't mean his, there's still unsolved problems for him and his family, obviously, his real family. But, uh. I, I think Sorian walked a tightrope between right and wrong, figuring out what was honorable, what was the right thing to do for the first few seasons. And I think where he is now, he's, he's planted firmly on the ground. He's, he's a crown guard. He's protecting Ezrin. He's fighting for what's right and what's good. Like, and he's, I think he's probably... You know, I'm sure he's also coping with um, change and, you know, his, his dad and sister being separated from them and, and what they did. Um, but from his, you know, from his point of view, I think he's going to be doubling and tripling down on, you know, being a committed and loyal crown guard and part of that team. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I was watching um, a reaction video from the Normies who were watching The Dragon Prince and reacting to it, which was really funny if you guys ever want to go watch it and see. Um, Is it? The, the who? The Normies. Um, they oh. have a YouTube channel. They watched the whole season. They watched the entire Dragon Prince and I watched it. Um, and one of the scenes that they were, this is not a kid's show, was when Soren stabs his dad, which is arguably one of the most shocking scenes in the show, which I feel really, I still really feel really bad because there's no way that's not going to have any... Um, consequences on him emotionally and maybe psychologically um so the next question by the way uh, i also i imagine that soren is also doubling down on whether or not he's saying it out loud there's poetry getting written for sure i think he found yeah. a part of it that, <laughs> that he can go back to so I'll, I'll bet there are some but some quote unquote very good poems being written about that experience and and what it meant to him. So. Is he going to progress from haikus or is it just haiku? I don't see why he wouldn't continue mm-hmm. to grow and evolve his, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. um, I wonder, you guys should just have a, you guys should just publish a book of Soren's poems. I'd buy that. <laughs> I'd buy that, yeah. Yeah, from your lip, <laughs> Elastic's ears, please, let's do it. Listen, I get bought. Um, our next question is another real and the question. audio version of that with like Jesse doing oh, it. Jesse would kill it. Oh, <laughs> He'd enjoy that too. He would enjoy like he would enjoy the hell out of that. Um so our next question is another random question. Obviously mine. Jokes aside, mm-hmm. what kind of hints or words of comfort can you give Raylan fans since the ending was rather heartbreaking? As I mentioned, friend bought a car. What can you kind of like how can you comfort fans in this sad in time? Especially as as much as we joke, the year this I think the Dragon Prince was probably one of the few things this year that really, really was like happy and good for them. 
all getting all seven seasons is like the only serotonin boost I think I got all year. Rayla is committed to completing her mission so that she can return to Callum. That would be what I would say. All that is on her mind is how badly she wants to get this done so that she can go back to him and go back to the life that's possible for her, right? I, th I think that's, that's what I would say is that she's, it's not that she's chosen, it's that she knows she has to do this so that she can go back to him. Does that help? It does. Part okay. of me wonders about Callum's feelings, but I feel like we talked about that already. So, but I think I can accept that. I think that's an acceptable answer. Um, is there a reason why we saw uh, just regular human soldiers in the Moon Nexus and maybe not the soldiers that Viren turned into monsters? Uh, did you have some explanation behind that? The specific soldiers we saw? I don't think so. I, I have to look again and remember. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty specific. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was, I mean, I'm just oh, throwing out a thing. I, I vaguely... Oh, do you have it? I just remember, I think, I think I have to it's because it was the soldiers that were killed in the in protecting Harrow, I believe, is what it was. In the what? It was the soldiers that were protecting Harrow who died in the attack, wow. I think is what the thinking was, but I I need to go back and actually find my notes, and I think that's where that came from. Oh, that's interesting. We didn't even think about that. Damn. I'm glad you asked that one, Haley. <laughs> it was just an incidental question. We're like, oh, you know, let's throw that in there. Why are they stuck, Justin? And don't you maybe don't answer that. I'm not gonna answer it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's interesting. Actually, that's a really interesting answer. We didn't even think about that. We didn't think that they had unfinished business, but I guess, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. We won't we won't put you into like hot water by answering that too much further. No, I mean I think the new Nexus has a lot of different you know, different reflections of things. And I think there's part of it is like they, people that have unfinished business or things like that can end up showing up there, I think is sort of my internal yeah. justification for how that works. That makes sense. Uh, so next question is slightly long, but it's about Claudia. What kind of place is Claudia in right now? Not necessarily physically, but like in right now with what with Rayla having killed Viren technically. And I do wonder how she feels about Callum and Ezrin being enemies now. They didn't really, they didn't talk in, S in season three. As far as I remember, the two parties didn't really talk. Um, so I do wonder, and then I low-key wonder Claudia's reaction, Claudia's reaction to Raylan possibly, or unless that's going to be answered later. I don't know that Claudia knows that Raylan was the one who tackled him off the edge. Mm. She wasn't there. I don't think, she, I don't know that she knows that information. Oh, I just kind of assumed that maybe Viren would tell her, but then again, Viren's got some other issues on his mind right now, like coming back from the dead. And then the other questions were how she feels about Ezrin and then how she feels about how she feels about like Calum and Ezrin being enemies and how she might feel about like Raylum. I did ask that to actually Raquel once, so she did a great reaction to that, but oh, really? curious. Yeah. So she but we're curious. You know, Claudia's so complicated. I, I I don't think she has any ill will for Ezrin. I think she probably adores him, you know, like agreed. <laughs> but but things are complicated and, you know, so uh, that's my feeling. It's probably complicated and, and she's in a mode where she will do what she has to do for her dad, um, for her family in general. Um, in terms of Raylam, does she have, I can't, she doesn't really know. 
doesn't know. Probably doesn't. Kel did a great uh, reaction to it, though, if you ever get a chance to oh, listen yeah. to I it. Yeah. Can you tell us? Um, oh, yeah. She said something like she, it was kind of a slow build up to like, it's fine. It's fine. They can just go, you know, and get married and have half elf, half human babies. And it was very, very like passive aggressive. I am not happy about this, but I'm going to pretend I am happy about this. And she did a great job. That's funny. But Raquel is great in general, so they're all great. But yeah, Raquel is so funny. Um, oh, Haley, that's your question. So, is there any more new lore or trivia that you can tell us that's not really ex- stated in the book directly that you just thought of while uh, making it? If you recall anything. Um, a lot. We have. There's a. There's nothing specific, but like the relationship between Alan and Lou Jane is yeah. a thing like, you know, and some of that plays out in the, in the credit sequence, but. Yeah. And yeah, that was cool to see that number re- you guys return to that. Uh, I like how that played out a lot. I thought that was funny too. I thought, I did not think we'd see him again, but then we did see him and he ends up being like a super nice guy. And the thing I actually liked was kind of, he's like a dad figure, which I think Soren specifically really needs right now, <laughs> you know, especially since, Viren hasn't worked out very well, you know, kind of time to buy a new dad. The, uh, there was a bunch more Allen stuff in the original draft and we ended up cutting it for time basically where there was a much longer sequence of the kids interacting with him and building more stuff and it was all fun and great, but it didn't really move the plot forward. So they ended up taking it out, but it was super fun. So an off question, was this story ever going to be told like in animation or was it once you got and then once you got scholastic or was it just now that you have scholastic you have time to tell this specific part of the story no it was yeah go ahead Aaron, sorry. yeah you go oh yeah it was it was we specifically did it for the graphic novel like we didn't even start talking about it until until we knew that we were going to do it and then we had a couple of different pitches and uh, this is our favorite so Hmm. We're like, yeah, cool. And they wanted, you know, Scholastic wanted something with the main characters and, and wanted it to be canon and stuff. So it, it sort of fit a lot of that and checked all the boxes that we needed to. Uh, okay. And then we got really lucky. We got to talk to, you know, a couple of different artists and writers. And we ended up with Peter and Zanthi. And it was awesome. They both they killed it. Yeah. And shout out to them. They both did a great job on the book, art wise and writing wise. Um, You're here. It's a great addition. Yeah. yeah they're both um, super talented. I would love to work with them again. So to plug in um, an Ezrin question, how's kingship going for Ezrin post-war? We noticed Poro Pele is ruling Catolas in his, like, va- not vacation, but, like, his uh, leave of absence. I mean, I think Ezrin is, he's, I mean, he's excited, right? Like, he's come home, and I think he's trying to learn how to be a king and, and talking with all the people and talking with all his advisors and trying to figure out, you know, what kind of king he's going to be. But I think he's pumped up. Like, he's the king of Catalus, man. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to go on fun adventures, right? So, like, yeah. go off with the, you know, rescue Fifi's feather and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I think he's excited. I, he's a kid who's, like, running a kingdom. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think post to post season three, I think he's kind of like earned his stripes in the way in the, in the, in the way of like politics, like, like, you know, he's got the loyal, generally the loyalty is kingdom as far as we understand, you know, and the elves kind of see him as like, okay, yeah, you did good. You did good kid. Well, we'll, well, we like you. Yeah. Yeah. And also just the fun of, you know, getting to figure out your own path and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that too. I'm excited to see what happens because he's 10. It's like, what more could happen? We'll find out. Uh, Haley, you got the next one. Yeah. 
So I know this was asked before, but maybe you've had more time to think about it. Uh, what kind of other graphic novels would you be interested in telling? We have suggestions if you don't. <laughs> okay. I, well, I may have to ask your suggestions then before I say, but um, we have had this conversation with Scholastic very recently. Um, we are, um, I think we're not announcing anything yet, but we are going to, we are trying to make sure we do, that there's another one coming soon that we're working on. Um, so we're, we're getting to the next one, but what are your suggestions? And then I'll tell you what some of our ideas. So I know I answered actually the question on, it was actually Haley's question on the AMA, yeah. but we answered the question a little bit, but I'm always down, like the Moonshadow family is always pretty popular. Um, even I think the two hour we had with Devin and Ian like a year ago or something like that is still one of our most popular, I think the most popular podcast episode we have. Cause it was yeah. just two hours of just talking about the Moonshadow family basically. Yeah. So anything with them. And I know the, um, the short, the short story was really well received. Um, it also would make, makes things more painful now, but um, anything with them. I love their family, Rayla, Renan, and Ithari. Renan is like always tied with Callum and Rayla for like number one slot with me. Um, and I love Ithari. I think too, I have a complicated relationship with Claudia as a character because I see a lot of myself in her, but I think a graphic novel with her would be very interesting. Hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe reveal her mom if a little more. You know, I think that's a big question too. Yep. Haley, what you got? I mean... Nothing special, just like Soren, Claudia stuff, Beard stuff, <laughs> Elf stuff. I think you a know? lot of backstory stuff would be cool. stuff you stuff you don't have time to tell yeah. in the actual like show because we know you get there's only so much time you have to tell in nine episode seasons and just animation in general. But like backstory stuff, prequels, maybe flashback graphic novels, things to give us. You know, I argue even alternate universe stuff. <laughs> I know Doro, um, Dorothy Yang, um, does who's one of the artists at Bardell, I think, who worked on the show. She yeah, does, did. Yeah, she did, she does some really, she's done some really funny, um, some really cool high school alternate universe um, art. That would be such a cool graphic novel. She did, um, she did a print for us for the Ray Limousine of that alternate universe that's going to be packed into every single uh, book. So those are what I think. Based off of my ear to the fandom. Um, yeah. People want more, more backstory, especially, you know, like, they want to know. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't think we can say anything specific, but <laughs> so I'm going to give you a maddeningly general response. Um, the stuff we're talking about are, um, it's possible that there's a story that's also between season three and season four. Um, so that would be a current story, but also, yeah, we're thinking about some stuff that could be um, flashbacks and seeing some of these characters when they're younger and, and some specific things that, that explain. It's funny. Like, I think that that's when you love a character, sometimes it's really an opportunity to, to get to know them really well by seeing who they were before you met them. Um, so we have some ideas there too. Agree. Awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a, I'll take that answer. No, I'll take mm -hmm. that answer. I'm excited. Um, okay. The next question is, um, your last question for Aaron is. Yeah. Is yeah. Okay. Right. Let's, uh, yeah, let's get to the last question for Aaron. Oh, this is one that I just plugged into. I was very specific, very specifically is interested. I want to ask, even if it's your first impression, cause you haven't really thought about it. What are Moonshadow Elf funerals like? 
for scientific purposes. I'm just definitely curious about that. Even if you haven't thought about it, like, what do you think that they would be like? I, I like to think that they would be like, you know, I want to think that they'd be like cremated or fire, but I feel like that's not viable in a forest. Yeah. Not very safe. It certainly feels like they would be very different than funerals that we're used to and ceremonies. Um, I mean, I think, there'd be, I mean, look, I'm being very general. There would yeah. be something. It's not canon, guys. It's just thoughts. Yeah, sure. I think, um, I think there would be something, uh, yeah, beautiful and ceremonial and transitional. I, you know, I think about when Brunan said, I'm already dead and what that meant. And kind of the things Rayla says about, um, you know, what what is her exact quote about moon reflects sun? As, oh yeah, moon reflects sun as life as death reflects life. Of course, I memorized. Yeah, that. and I think there's some sense of kind of a unity of those experiences that is not as tragic or is not as you know um, much an ending as a transition, probably. So um, I don't know. I, I, it's something we're thinking about. I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts at some point. I feel like they'd be dancing. Devin and Ian mentioned like like a lot of their stuff. I think we get the impression that there's they do a lot of like dancing for stuff. I think there could be different funerals also for different types of people, right? Like Renan's and his his warriors might be very very different than you know, some random tinker or whatever. So true. Maybe maybe they're different for like different factions or however Moonshadow Elf society works, which I'm sure we'll find out eventually more someday. Yeah. Well, um, I think Aaron has to step out right now. So we're going to be yeah. left with Justin for 10 to 15 more minutes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me, though. Have fun and hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. See you, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Um, bye. All right. Um, Haley, you got the next question. Yeah. So um, this is just like from a news update we recently saw. I don't know if you haven't heard about it much, Tamika. Like, yeah, I remember you showed me. I, I did, but I was like, did the, does the rest of the fandom know about um, that Dragon Prince is getting help with licensing? Uh, well, that was did, announced. They did publish it. So, yeah, that's the question. We heard that, um, we heard, uh, we, we saw that the Dragon Prince is getting help with licensing, I think, with Striker Entertainment. Um, that's right. That's correct. Any, any hints of the upcoming merchandise? Uh, no, so we just sort of we just signed a deal with them. So they'll, you know, what they do is they go out and help us find interesting places and products that would fit with, you know, our our ideas and mission for the brand. So Striker is like best in the business. So they go out and say like, hey, you know, they represent us basically. So they're like we're looking to do these kinds of cool things, and then they go, cool, you know, this company says they can do Y or Z or whatever. And then we sort of, you know, we're going to still be very heavily involved, of course, but. They're the ones who can like go help that those deals happen. So we're really excited to be working with them. So that just got announced, I think, yesterday. Yeah, like literally just yesterday so, when we were playing yeah. this together. I mean, we already have announced that we're doing a, um, a tabletop RPG with fandom as well. Um, obviously, so that's super exciting, um, and that's a different thing. Um, but yeah, we're we're excited. I'm so excited and proud of you. Proud of you guys. I know you're excited, but I'm so proud of you guys for just how much you guys have like had so much. Like, if I can say that, how much like stuff has happened with you guys this year like the oh, emmy thanks. yeah it's been a good year <laughs> yeah i think following you guys from like before season one it used to be so small and now it's just like oh i'm so proud to see this little show that like gave me my whole life 
you know, Thank you. Like, yeah, we're excited. I mean, the game is going really well, and you know, hopefully we'll be able to talk about oh that. Oh, my God, yeah, we want, we want the game yeah. so bad. I know Haley's super excited about the game. Like, the Raylums, it got me a job. So, like, this, this show has really given me, cool. like, so much of my life. That's um, awesome. Uh, so, let's see. We, so, we have now, like, kind of, like, more of a bank. Haley, what did you what did I have to ask? I mean, I'm done with my questions. Okay. So... <laughs> We kind of built in some other questions just in case we had a little bit more time. Sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump straight to the random one right now, and then I'll let Haley do another one. But um, how would you describe Raylan and Callum's love for each other? Haley gets so tired of me mentioning the jumping off the mountain scene, but it's a huge deal since most people, period, wouldn't leap off a mountain for anyone. Sure, sure. I mean, I think they're, they're teenagers in love, right? Which is like super intense and lots of feelings and... I think, you know, in particular for Rayla, like, I don't know how many other people she's felt like about this. But for both of them, right, it's like a, you're more, you've been told about this mortal enemy, right, for your whole life, and then all of a sudden you fall in love with one of them. Like, that's a, I don't know, that's really, really intense. So I think they're at sort of that, that stage, right? And then by the end of the comic, obviously, like, teenage love is hard, <laughs> right? And yeah. it doesn't work out all the time and stuff. And so, like, you know, my fingers are crossed for them, but, like, yeah, we'll have to see see where they end up, see what happens. So. Yeah, all our fingers crossed. Um, I feel like jumping in when you feel like jumping in, but I did also, this is solely an extra question. Um, what is it like for Moonshadow Elves when they first go into Moonshadow form? What is it like, because I think we talked about it once in a previous interview where it was like, they get it at like puberty-ish. Um, or they're I, definitely think, not, I think they develop it at, so I'm not sure exactly where they develop yeah. it. Right? Like they're not babies anyways when they, when they yeah. first do it. Yeah, but I think it's... Um, you know, I, I don't know, this is not canon, but like, I suspect there's probably like a ritual where, you know, it's like, oh, you can do this thing now, or right, like you can manifest this power or whatever, and it's it's pretty limited, right? Like it only works at a full moon, and so it's not like something you do all the time, but, you know, what does it feel like? I don't know, like feeling like the predator, I guess, right? Like, like super stealth mode and... Which are also so extra. Everything they do is a ritual. Yeah. It's like they go to lunch and they have a ritual, but no, yeah. no. But I was also, a part of that question too was like, what kind of reaction from Renan and Athari or parents, you know, like what, from a cultural standpoint for them, you know, as a, for her, you know, kind of like as their adults in their culture and then from a young person, how does that feel for them? Is that pride? Is that like, you know, ready to see her do her thing? Like, you know, that kind of I think, thing. I mean, I, I suspect they all can, they all can do it, right? And so I think it may not be as much of a like, oh, cool. It's, it's more like you're growing up, right? Like, oh, you know, it's a little bittersweet that like, oh, you know, my little kid is no longer a kid anymore or, or they're becoming less of a kid anyway, right? Like a bar mitzvah for, for, for us, right? Like, or, a, you know, a quinceanera or something where you're just like, wow, what a cool momentous occasion in this person's life, right? And, uh, and that can be happy and sad. That's so cool. That's really cool, actually. That's so, that gives us kind of like an insight into like, well, you know, that's like what how me wife feels like, oh, God, she's not a baby anymore. Yeah, I mean, look, like as a parent and you see your kids go through these milestones, you're like, oh, man, like, I remember when they were like a crying ball of flesh and now they're like, you know, a person <laughs> running around like they have opinions <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, it's, there's this baby and all of a sudden they're 12 and you know, they want to go surfing all the time and, you know, are to a teenager, you know, that's like my son, right? Like my oldest son, you know, it seems like yesterday, literally, I was like rocking him to sleep, you know, after coming home from work. And now he's like, literally like, I'm going to go with friends, bye, you know, so yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely a change. For sure. My niece lives in the house. And I remember when she was just like four months old and could now she's just 
Now she's putting on her back. She's begging us to put on her backpack. She's one and a half, okay? Yeah. Begging us to put on her backpack, and she's going out, going to the door, going, bye. You know, right. I'm out. So fast. All right, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, hey, got anything? Otherwise, I do. Not really. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just then take over. Um, is it technically possible, if things had gone differently in the book, that Callum could have met Sarai in that pool? What might have that been like, and what generally would it be like for Sarai to see Callum now? Do is it possible Callum could have seen Sarai in the Moon Nexus? Is that yes. what you're asking? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible. I don't think so, though. I think Sarai has moved on and has become, I don't know, wherever people go, right? Whatever, in whatever they pass pass through, right? But um, I guess it's yeah, it is theoretically possible. But I think she's more of. I think you're more likely to see her in memories, right? Or in, you know, or like when Callum was hallucinating, he saw her and like that yeah. was not real, but it was like, she was still guiding him from beyond the grave a little bit, right? Like her, her because she taught him so well during his life, you know, he built her to reflect upon. So I think like, no, she probably wouldn't be in there um, because she's, she's in a different place, um, but it's possible. <laughs> That tells you a lot about Sarai, though, that she would trust Harrow and, for one thing, of course she trusts Harrow, but she would trust that things will work out the way they need to work out in a way, and, like, like with and without her, and, like, she, I can imagine she could probably trust Callum, yeah. you know, like, that tells you a lot about Sarai. I like Sarai. I love Sarai. I mean, we all do, but, like, I'm so, I mean, I'm so sad that she, I always get so sad that she that wasn't able to be with him, but I do have this, like, fun little headcanon that, like, in an alternate universe, maybe if they got back her weapon, maybe Callum would have taken it up just to feel closer to her, just to feel the angst. Right, yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. Uncoordinated as he is, I feel like he could have yeah. found a way if he was really, really, like, like, if he had that weapon, that's different than, like, a random sword. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. None of this yeah. canon, guys, I'm just, like, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. I have to say that just in case, but... Sure, um, yeah. Another random question. Um... If Rayla and Callum had met under more peaceful terms, do you think they would have sparked a romance even then? I personally like to imagine Callum would have been drawn to her from day one. Sorry, say it again. I knew your first cut out. Oh, if Callum had met and Rayla had met under more peaceful terms, do you think they would have sparked a romance even then? I personally like to imagine Callum would have been drawn to her from day one. Maybe. I don't know. Like, how you meet someone in the circumstances really matters, right? Like, I've definitely, I feel like I've met people in my life that, like, I probably could have dated if I met them in under some, some other circumstance, right? Like, I don't know. So if they've been in peaceful circumstances, maybe, you know, obviously he's, he's attracted to her, but like, who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe what he loves is, you know, how fiery and, and keyed up she is about stuff. And, you know, if, if they met in sort of more, you know, normal circumstances, maybe she wouldn't be. And so, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I think people meet at certain times in their lives and it works out in a certain way. That's fair. I love how kind of like he, like, He's the kind of guy where he sees her and she's like, you're so angry when you're cute. Like that's low key canon per the book where it's like when she's mad and she's not like serious mad. It's like, that's cute. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. so. Um, so let's do just one more so we can um, end this on time for you. Um, I think I only think I had um, one more really anyways. Um, Oh, uh, if Rayla's parents were seeing her now, what would they have to say or what would they think of her, maybe? Can you tell us that, though? Like, I think they'd be really proud of her, right? I mean, I think they... 
you know, they were Dragon Guard. And I think she fulfilled that mission that they did not in a way, right? Like she's the one who stopped Viren from killing the king of the or the prince of the dragons, I should say, right? Like Asmodeus, right? So like I think they'd be super proud of that, like that she was willing to literally sacrifice herself to stop this person from killing a very important dragon. So like she was able to do what they were not. So I think they'd be really, really proud of that. And I think they'd be a little sad that she's she's so obsessive about her mission that it's to the detriment of the relationships that she has with other people. So I think they wouldn't be excited. I mean, I don't know, like they'd be torn, right? Like, cause in on one hand, like what makes her great at doing these missions is that she's like very single-minded and focused, but at the same time, right, there's unhealthy level of, of obsession there too. So, it's, you know, as a, as a parent, if I had if my own kid, I'd be like, wow, I'm super proud that you did that, but also like maybe take care of yourself a little bit. Um, yeah, that's fair. I think that the people kind of sometimes have this this view of kind of Moonshadow Elves are like, they're very, you know, I'm not going to say cold, but they like put um, the honor over everything at all times. And I feel like they're still people. And like, if, as a parent, as somebody who cares about somebody else, you can't do that all the time. Like, I imagine if her parents were there, you know, like, one, like, that would destroy them. Like, if, yeah. if the situation had been reversed in some way where she was the one in danger or dying, or she was the one in the coin that would destroy them because they're parents. I think that's right. Yeah. Well, I think that's time for all the questions we have right now. Cool. Um, so mm -hmm. we are going to send off here and stop awesome. recording. Um, and so, guys, it's been the Hop Around Morning Potion podcast. Taylor and Tamika, Aaron and I here, but Justin um, is piecing out too. Um, Peace so, out. Bye. <laughs> bye. bye.